Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, Tomorrow, we celebrate a really cool day in the life of our country as we celebrate uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And uh, Martin Luther King, maybe more than anyone uh, in the 20th century, uh, 21st century, um, worked at being able to uh, reconcile people taking people who have differentness and uh, to bring them together. And so uh, I was thinking about uh, it this week that the ultimate reconciliation took place when Christ came to earth and he reconciled us to the Father. Um, But racial reconciliation is so important, uh, both in our community uh, and in our world. And so uh, before we jump into our teaching today, Um, I thought we would just uh, lift up a prayer that God would help us uh, to be able to be that kind of uh, reconciled person. So let's pray. God, we uh, thank you so much uh, for the life of Martin Luther King Jr. We thank you for the fact, God, that he was a man of God who came with courage to try to see people who were uh, very different from one another and who many had hate for one another that they would come together through the love of Christ. And God, we uh, celebrate that today. And we ask God that in our own worlds, in our work world, in our neighborhoods, in our families, that we would be the first person to walk across the room and to reach out to someone who might be different than ourselves. And that we would show the love of Christ who is constantly walking across rooms of people who... uh, the world had given up on. So God, would you uh, now move and would you help your reconciled people to know how to take the schedules uh, of our lives and the power of that schedule and to allow it to move and to have its way so that we could honor you even more. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, most of my adult life, uh, I have struggled with time management. I have taken classes, I've read books, I've invited people to pray for me, I have an accountability partner that pushes me on the importance of time management, and I've seen a lot of victory over the last couple of years in this area of my life. However, as I slowly became a person who was more on time and making time important, I realized that it did make me more efficient and allowed me to do more, to get more stuff done. But I started to question if that was the uh, most important thing of making me become the person that God wanted me to become. And so several years ago, I went to a conference And I listened to a speaker who talked about the power of schedule. And his point was that just as important as all the other things in the Christian faith are, communion, baptism, Sunday morning worship, all of those things, the importance of your schedule to your life is essential to become the person that God entails you to be. And I walked away from that very convicted about seeking God's guidance in my life that I would become the person that God wanted me to be. 
The reality is that every single person in this gym this morning, you use a tool to schedule your life. Now, I'm going to put up uh, something on this. This is my schedule. I still have a paper schedule, and I write it out. So those of you who are in your 20s or younger, uh, this is what that looks like. If you want to come up later, you can look at it, uh, and I can show it to you. It's like an antique anymore. You know, no one writes anything down uh, with a schedule, but you can do that. I remember our very first worship leader here at the JAR, Isaac Pellerin, Uh, One day we were in a meeting, and I looked down at his hand, and it looked like this. And I said, what is that? And he said, that is the schedule for my life. And I was like, serious? He's like, yeah. I was like, what if you sweat? Well, my schedule becomes less, you know? And I'm like, what is up with that? So some of you, you don't schedule anything like this. You schedule it on your iPhone or your iPad or on your computer But whether you do that or you put it on your refrigerator or you write it down on your hand, I guess, uh, you choose a tool on how to schedule your life. And it can be powerful. And so the big idea that I want to get across this morning is this. It will come up on the side screens. You can fill it in there uh, on your teaching sheet in your program if you'd like. This is what it says. My schedule should be far less about what I have to get done than who I want to become. My schedule should be far less about what I have to get done than who I want to become. For most of my life, I just always thought that the people who were really good with time management and organizing their life, it was because they did their schedule so well. But I always just thought about a schedule as a to-do list to get things done. A grocery list that you checked off at the end of the day of the stuff that needed to get done. But when I started to realize that my personal schedule should actually become a powerful tool that God could use in my life to make me different and to make me a better follower for him, I realized that there was much more to the power of a schedule than just a to-do list that at the end of the day, you check off. Now, as a way to kind of build my case for this, I want to give a foundation of scripture for us to look at. And here is the scripture. It's in uh, Ephesians. And one day, Paul, the guy who wrote over half the New Testament, He writes to this church in Ephesus, and he writes these words. He says this, Be very careful, then, how you live now. Remember that word, now. We'll come back to it in a second. It's really important. Be very careful how you live now. Live wisely, not unwisely. Redeeming the time because we live in evil days. Therefore, don't waste your time in foolish living. That would be such a horrible thing if you did that. Don't waste your time in foolish living. Find out what God's will is and start doing it. Now, last week, this guy, Paul, that wrote these words, I told you that he looked at life in two realities. And we put up a little uh, kind of uh, chart, you might say, and you might look, uh, it might look familiar to you. But on the left-hand side is the world, and on the right-hand side is heaven. 
And in the world, time is looked at in a very different way than it is in the kingdom of heaven. When you become a Christ follower, when you get connected to the kingdom of heaven, you think of time very differently than what people do in the world. So in this passage, Paul says that you're going through your life, and I think we have a little uh, arrow there. You know, you're going through your life just like everybody else is in the world. You're no different than anybody else. But then there comes a moment in which you give your life to Christ. You come to the cross and you say, Jesus, I want to do what you want to do, and I want to honor you in all that I do. And when that happens, all of a sudden your citizenship changes and you become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And now you think of time very, very differently than you did when you were just going through the world like everyone else. You see, folks, the kingdom of heaven is a new reality. And in the kingdom of heaven, time is very, very important. It's got a limited supply to it. All you have is from today until your final day to fulfill the purposes and the plans that God has for your life. And God has some important things for every person in this gym to do before that final day. So he says that now, since you have become citizens of heaven, I want you to redeem your time. Cut away all the wasted stuff. Quit wasting time on foolish stuff. I want you to focus in on the important stuff because there is a lot of important stuff to do. You see, with both Paul and with Jesus, there was this constant urgency when it came to time. Because they realized they only had so much time to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. They only had so much time to push back the kingdom of darkness. And they only had so much time to advance the things of love and justice and peace and righteousness. And to build church communities that would not just sit and take up a seat, but would impact and change the world. There was urgency all the time when it came to time. And there's urgency when it comes to the kingdom of heaven. Now, I want to share with you just briefly how powerfully crazy a well-crafted schedule can be change your life. Um, Here's a buddy of mine in high school, and uh, he just kind of, you know, just barely skidded by school. He really only had two interests in school, sports and girls. That was it. In fact, if you ask most guys here today, they'd be like, what else was there? You know, high school was pretty much sports and girls. That was it. Well, he never really, (coughs) he never really kind of focused on his studies And he just kind of, you know, got through, barely got through high school. And then he went and he applied for a job and he got a job. This was uh, back in the uh, early 90s and so there was a lot of work. 
And he started doing this job, but he hated it. He was making pretty good money, but he just hated it. And one day he goes to his uh, barber and he sits in the barber chair. And he really liked his barber and he started looking around and he liked, liked the atmosphere of a barber shop. And so he had this weird idea that he thought, you know what, I'll just take one barber class. So he took his schedule out. And let's just pretend that it's on Monday. He just put down the word barber. And he said, hey, I'm going to write this down. I'm just going to see what happens. And that's what he did. He started going to this barber class. And pretty soon he took more classes. And eventually he graduated from barber college. And at the end of that, he had some money that was invested for him. He opened up his own shop. And he became an extremely successful barber. Uh, invited other barbers to come in. He made a lot of money and he totally changed his life and he totally changed his family's life simply by writing down one word on a calendar. And all of that happened because of this one word. And the trajectory of his life, folks, totally changed by writing that down. It's crazy how powerful a schedule can be. At the end of uh, 2014, I started noticing that uh, my work week uh, took place in such a way that on Saturdays, either I was involved in something or I was working on the teaching, and it was an entire work day. I worked the entire day on Saturday. And it was about this time that both of my daughters started getting into sports and dance, and I thought to myself that if I, if I didn't make some changes... I might totally miss a lot of their different events. And I started to reflect on the fact that my dad, uh, when I was growing up, that he never made Saturday events because he was always doing church work. He was always working on Saturdays. And he made very, very few of my events when it came to Saturdays. And I'm not dissing my dad. He's a great dad. He's a great granddad, especially now he doesn't miss anything. But uh, during that time, he, he just didn't make that a priority. And I didn't want that to be true of my story because my girls are such a gift to me. So I took out my schedule. I rearranged some things so that I had more study time earlier in the week. I had to get rid of some stuff. And then I simply put on my Saturday one word, girls. And what I do is on Saturdays, I take the girls and we spend time together. Sometimes it's going to whatever events that they have. And other times we'll go out and we'll do a daddy-daughter kind of date. Like yesterday, my youngest daughter Shiloh and I, we took the snowman that had melted away and the head fell off and the body parts came off and everything was a mess. But we put them all together and like stacked them back up again. And she thought that was great. And then we read some Pinkalicious books together. You know, the highlight of my morning uh, was doing that together. And other times what we'll do is we'll go to Mound State Park, just the three of us. And we kind of walk around there. And that's what we do on a Saturday. Yesterday uh, afternoon, because I didn't have a chance to connect with Jordan, uh, we went and we went to a Ball State basketball game. I love when they pick those events. Uh, that's kind of a gift to me. So uh, that's kind of uh, what we did. And once a quarter, 
um, because I didn't want my girls just to always do fun stuff necessarily with me, I wanted them to have some stretching things too. We talked about it last week. Once a quarter, when the church actually does Morning Star Bread Basket, uh, both my wife and I and our two girls, we go and we serve people who are dealing with poverty and who are far from God because I want them to know that they attend a church that serves other people and people love to do that. And I was so proud of them last time. Um, they weren't able to help in the kitchen, but they both had pretty good attitudes about it. And they went in this little pantry and I've never seen them do this before. But for an hour and a half, they packed like bags. We weren't even near them. They were just doing their own thing and to caring for the lives of other people. So we now spend some real intentional time on Saturdays. And it's transformed our connectedness as a dad and two girls. I know Jordan and Shiloh really well. In fact, I even know the name of their American doll girls. Okay? Here they are. To the left is Sage and to the right is Julie. And sometimes we have to do that too. I push for Ball State, but sometimes it's American doll world in the bunch household. You see, folks, everything changed, though, when on Saturdays I simply put down one word, girls. It is changing that relationship. Now, as I'm going through this right now and you see the schedule, I'm just wondering to you, what might be coming to your mind of something that you need to plug into your particular schedule to be able to make time? Think about it a little bit more, and I'm going to change gears here just for a second. If you want to ever do something that's pretty fun, uh, something I would suggest if you want to uh, investigate Christ's life and if he had a pattern of his life. Did he have a pattern to the schedule that he went about his daily uh, kind of week? Like, when did he pray? And where did he pray at? And what Rest did he get? How much rest did he get in a day? Um, what did it look like when he was off and he was with a whole bunch of uh, people that he was ministering to, but he came back and he hung out with his family? And if you do that, I think what you'll find is some approximations that Jesus actually, when he went through his life, he had a daily kind of weekly schedule that he went through. Now, in Luke chapter 4, we learn that he actually did something. He he said, there's something in my life that I'm not going to pencil in, but I'm actually going to put it in ink. I'm going to actually put something in ink. Uh, anybody know what that was? Anyone want to take a guess? It was, yeah, it was the weekly worship gathering. He put it in ink, not in pencil. Look at what it says in Luke 4. It says this, he, Jesus, went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his, what's it say? Custom. Do you know what a custom is? A custom is something that you do regularly. Uh, You do it all the time. Uh, This was not something that he did periodically. It wasn't something that he did haphazardly. It wasn't something that if he was tired in a particular morning, he had slept in a little bit longer. He made it a habit to do this. And he decided, folks, that he wasn't going to write it in ink, or he wasn't going to write it in pencil, 
But some of us write it in pencil, okay? Well, he wasn't going to write it in pencil. He was actually going to write it in ink. Now, every once in a while, I just have to ask you as your pastor some hard questions. And here's one I want to ask you. As you think about your goals in 2016, are any of your goals for 2016 to grow deeper and closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Are any of your goals there? Because if that is one of your goals, I want to encourage you, I just want to tell you, that consistent participation in a weekly gathering is essential if you want to grow in your relationship with God. It has to be in ink, not in pencil. You know, often uh, people, uh, when they first come to Christ, they'll come up to me and they'll be like, Hey, I love everything and everything's going great and all that kind of stuff. But they'll be like, how important is church, really? Like, how important, like, how many do I have to, that, that's usually what they'll ask. How many do I have to go to to be in good with God still? Like, is it 40? Is it 20? You know, is it Christmas and Easter? Like, just kind of tell me. Well, I've got some reasons of why Christ followers should be at church every week. And here's the first one. I already acknowledged it. But Jesus establishes an example. We should follow the example of Jesus. That's why we should go to church and do what he did. Now, let me just say this. It's arrogant. It's arrogant for any Christ follower to simply blow off a Sunday morning. It's arrogant. Because if, if the Lord and the God of the universe, the one that we worship, the one that we lift up, the one who saved us, the one who guides us, the one who directs our path, if he said, I'm going to put it in ink, then why would we ever put it in pencil? Why? Number two, a second reason why we should do this is we should follow the Bible's wisdom. We should follow the Bible's wisdom. Hebrews 10.25 says this, Don't forsake the worship of assembling of yourselves together. Bad idea. That's what he's saying. It's like a bad idea. Don't do that. You start doing that and you'll go down a path and it will not be beneficial to you. Don't get careless about this. Don't put it in pencil. Put it in ink. Third thing. Uh, the reason why I never want to miss church, the third reason, is because God's Spirit just might rock your life or transform your heart. There could be a Sunday that God's Spirit would be so heaven, uh, so heavy that it would rock your life and transform your heart. You see, folks, you never know on a Sunday morning when God might actually do something supernatural. My favorite celebration for all of 2015 was in the summer, July 19th. And throughout that week, I was battling with God, and I kept sensing that God wanted us to have some extended worship and prayer time right at the very beginning. 
And that I would simply stand up and I would ask people that if you want more of the Holy Spirit in your life, if you want more of God's Spirit in your life, then please come up. There'll be people up here to pray. I had no idea what kind of response we would have, but we did that. And on that particular Sunday, there were dozens and dozens and dozens of people. Over 60 people came up for prayer simply saying, God, I want more of your spirit in my life. People accepted Christ on that day. People made commitments on that day to get baptized. People were healed on that day. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. God moved like in this amazing supernatural way. And several people told me, you know what, it was summer and I was almost not even going to come. I mean, it was like a flipping of a coin on whether I would come or not. And folks, when I hear that, and sometimes people are bold enough to actually tell me, well, you know, I don't know if I'm going to come or not. It drives me crazy. And this is the reason why. Because I don't think they know what they're playing with. I really don't think they know what they're playing with. I mean, where two or three people are gathered together, Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit is present. And God can transform, He can comfort, He can encourage, He can heal, He can do whatever you need for your life, and He can do it supernaturally. And if you get careless with this, And you just kind of go, ah, you know, whatever. When he does something supernatural, it's not only sad for you, but it's a loss. (laughs) It's actually a loss for you. A fourth reason why people should go to church each week is to set an example for your children and your family and your friends. That you actually set an example for your kids and your family and your friends. Now, I grew up as a PK, a preacher's kid. So what that meant is basically I didn't have a choice on whether to go to church or not. It was a priority in our family, and we went. Now, my dad, though, did something very, very cool. He was not legalistic. And he said, when you turn 16, if you don't want to go to church anymore, you don't have to. Now, we lived in a parsonage that was like right beside the church. And uh, I remember every once in a while, my brother and sister, I was younger than they are. They're older than I am. And they wouldn't go. And that, was, I had, that had to be weird for my dad. You know, it's like, uh, where's your kids at? Oh, they're over there. Okay. But he just wasn't very judgmental about that. But when he allowed that freedom to come, for me personally, I, um, I just kept going to church. Because it was really, really important to me. In fact, even when I went to college and I rebelled big time, I still went to church on Sunday mornings. I mean, it was at church where I, I may have been hung over the night before, but I would go to church the next day and I, I shared this story. I'd always try to go to the latest church celebration that I could, so I'd sober up a little bit before I got there, but... I would go to the last one. And the reason I would do that is because there was something within me that was like, even if your world was messed up, you should be there on Sunday. Because God would speak to me at church and say, I love you. I'm not giving up on you. 
You might mess up a lot of stuff in your life, but I will never walk away from you. Some of my college buddies, they'd laugh at me. I'd get up and I'd get, they'd like, Bunch, where are you going? Like, I'm going to church. They're like, dude, you're a hypocrite. And they're right. They're absolutely right. But there was just something about that priority that my parents had on the importance of church. And I often imagine, uh, where would I have drifted? And what would I have done in college if there wasn't at least that one thing that I did? Folks, you set the example every time. A fifth reason for inking in, again, folks, we're not talking about penciling in, we're talking about inking in church on Sunday, is so that you can bless and actually encourage other people. I don't know if you realize this or not, but church is not all about you. In fact, you should not be simply a consumer of church. You should be a contributor. You should contribute to give something back, not just a consumer. It's not all about you. Now, in the New Testament, we often hear that in addition to worshiping God during that gathering and learning from God's Word, that we also should lift up the spirits and encourage the people around us. That you come and you give a word of greeting to someone, you give a handshake. You lift them up. You take, see, this is the thing, folks, I don't think you realize how important this is. There are some people who walked in here today who felt invisible the entire week. They felt invisible at work or at school. They felt invisible in their neighborhood. They might have felt invisible in their family. And if you actually say, no, 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 no. I'm going to encourage and bless somebody. It has a huge transforming effect on the people around you. So I want to encourage you, as you come to church from now on, hopefully you're not in a fight, but if you are, get over it quick and then just keep on going. But as you're coming, that you just take five minutes and you would just pray and you'd say, God, you know, be with the church celebration today. Be with Chris as he's teaching. He needs a lot of help, you know. And God would... God, would you show me who you want me to encourage? Show me the person that you want me to bless. Who could I be an encouragement to? I mean, you'll never know, folks, how important it is when you ask someone, how'd your week go? And they get a chance to tell that to you. That is huge. It is amazing for that to happen. And when we do this, when we become that kind of encouraging and blessing community, it's exactly the church that Jesus died for and was longing for. We have several people here who serve on the hospitality team. How many of you, just by a show of hands, how many of you serve on hospitality? Just raise your hands. Let's all give them a hand, okay? Now, These people who serve on hospitality and our other serving teams, basically what they're saying is, it's not about me. And they put on their serving towel, and they bless other people around them. It might be pouring coffee or making coffee or reaching out to someone, uh, greeting someone, giving a program, saying hi, uh, directing them towards jar kids, whatever it is. And 
what I often find our best hospitality people are not the people who are talking to the people that they know. They can talk to them anytime they want. But our best people are the people whose eyes are glued every single time on a face that they don't know. To a new person that they can reach out to and say, hey, I don't think we've met yet. And they introduce themselves and they connect and they know each other. And when you do that, folks, you have no idea how God can use that to transform someone's life. Monthly, we have something here called First Steps with Chris. And basically, it's a chance for me to meet one-on-one with people who are coming for the first time. If you've never gone before, you should go. It's only about 15, 20 minutes, but we share about the vision and kind of where we're going as a church. Well, last Sunday, a young woman uh, came into the church for the very first time, and she came to First Steps with Chris for the very first time. And she walked in, and I reached out, and I greeted her and said, hey, and we talked a little bit. And I said, well, what made you decide to come today? And she said, well, the weirdest thing. She goes, I was driving in my car, and my two kids were in the back, and I just felt this prompting that I should go to the jar. And she goes, "Uh, it kind of freaked me out a little bit, so I called my grandma because she's a real religious person. And I asked her, I said, "Um, is this a normal thing to kind of do? And she's like, yeah, you should go. And she said, so I walked in here and she said, immediately I was welcomed and accepted by the people when I first walked in and there was no judgment. I didn't feel a a sense of judgment like I have before when I've gone to church. And she said, they showed me where I could take my kids and I took them up to jar kids and there was someone greeting there and the kids just kind of immediately ran away from me. You know, they just were ready to play and to hang out. And, uh, in the midst of of all of that, she said, then I came back down and I got in the church and I sat down and someone reached out to me and said hi and kind of encouraged me a little bit. And she said, I just never thought of church that it could be like this. Now, here's the thing, folks. I don't know who greeted this woman at the front door. I don't know who uh, took care of her kids upstairs. I don't know who the person was that sat down here and reached out to her here. But this is what I do know. That this woman's life was changed because people chose on that particular Sunday not to be with their own group of friends or not to think of something else. They realized it's not about me and they reached out to her. And it changed this woman's life. Uh, This week, we close on our office building. We're going to have a brand new office building. There we go. (laughs) Now, when we ask you to come and help clean and paint, you might not clap as much. But, you know, think about that anyways. And we will be asking you to help us do that. But we'll close on this this week, and about a month ago, I went through the building one last time, and we decided then as 
uh, elders and trustees to make an offer, and so we did, and it's going to be tremendous. It's going to help out all of our staff. We'll be able to do many more meetings and larger groups of gatherings of people all under one roof. we got 31 parking spots there, so plenty of space, um, and it may be a part of God's vision uh, that we have to have a, a free clinic, a healing center at some point, because that's what this is. It's a clinic, and so we're thinking years down the road that that's what this place uh, is going to become, and we'll use medical and dental and, uh, you know, uh, attorney things and, uh, you know, anything with uh, people who um, need jobs or they need food or whatever, just a place in the Old West End that we're going to care for our community. That's what our whole, our goal is. That's what our hope is. Well, while I was there, I was uh, walking uh, around the neighborhood and I noticed, I was with a buddy of mine, and I noticed that there was a woman and her daughter that were on this porch. And so I went up to them, and uh, we introduced ourselves to them. And uh, I was just asking them, how did they like the neighborhood? And they said, well, we really like the neighborhood a lot. She goes, uh, they've done a lot of renovation in this neighborhood. And they said, there's a lot of young families, and we really enjoy it. We like uh, what we're doing uh, here, and uh, we love where we live. And I was like, oh, cool. And so eventually the conversation always comes around to kind of like, why are you here, though? You know, like, why are you coming up to my porch? And like, who are you? And so, you know, I had to let the can out of the, or I had to let the, what do they call that phrase? Yeah, cat out of the, whatever it is, you know. (laughs) Anyways, I talked and I had to tell them that I was the pastor of the jar. And immediately when I said that, this is what she said, I'm an atheist. And I said, okay. And we talked a little bit more. And then she started telling me about how much she hated religion. And finally, she finally said those words. She goes, I hate religion. And I got a word in. I go, I do too. I hate religion. All of a sudden, she was kind of shocked. She's like, what do you mean? I said, well, honestly, Jesus is not about religion. He hated religion too. But he's all about relationships. And the conversation went a little bit longer. And then we got to the end of it. And I said, you know what? I just want to personally invite you to come anytime at 9 o'clock or 1045. We meet at the Y. You can come and be a part of that. And when I did that, she looked at her daughter, and it was almost like one of those looks like, dude, that's not going to happen. Like, this is not going to happen. So I didn't have my hopes up real high. But you know that that woman and that daughter, they haven't gone away from my mind over the last month. And this is the thing that I've been worried about. I've been worried about the fact that what if they actually did come one Sunday and nobody greeted them? And nobody reached out to them. Maybe they came and they sat by themselves right there and nobody sat with them. And they went through the entire worship celebration alone and they walked out of here and they said yep it's about religion for these folks they're all about themselves and i want to be honest folks that's the one thing that i worry about the most is that sometimes we just get way too comfortable and careless with how we treat new people when they come into a place And I believe God's going to move in a mighty way in 2016. 
And you and I have to be on the front lines of welcoming and loving people when they come for the first time. You see, folks, you have to be others-oriented to encourage and bless others. That's why it's so important to come on Sundays. So that someone's heart gets touched. That someone who thinks, wow, someone actually noticed me. And if you do that and you put church on Sunday morning, and what do you put it in? Do you put it in pencil or ink? What do you put it in? What? You put it in ink. That's right. You put it in ink. It will change your year. We don't just come for ourselves. We come for God. We come to learn every time that this uh, Bible is opened up and taught. And we come to encourage and bless other people. And if you do that over the course of 2016, I'm telling you, God will supernaturally bless your lives in ways you can't even imagine if you'll put it in ink. Okay, with the time that remains, I just want to give you two practical kind of steps on how you can use your own personal schedule to make it most effective in the new year. Here's the first step. You have to ask yourself this question. Who do I most want to become in 2016? You've got to ask that question of yourself. Who do you most want to become in 2016? Now, there are many different right answers that you can have for this. It might be that you want to become a more engaged spouse or you want to be a more attentive parent. You might become, want to become a better leader at work. You might be, want to become a less hurried and kind of frenzied person, always like, you know, doing stuff all the time. My wife, she told me uh, at the beginning of the year, she goes, my word for this year is chill. She goes, I want to learn how to chill more. You might want to become a better follower of Christ. You may want to become healthier and a more fit person. You might want to become a better servant to the poor. You might want to become a better person with the Bible. You might want to be able to manage your money better. You might want to become a better friend. You might want to get sober in 2016. And the list could go on and on and on of all the different things. But it is absolutely critical, folks. I just can't tell you how important this is. That if you want changes to happen in your life in 2016, you've got to become crystal clear with who you want to become. Who do you want to become? And that leads then to the second step, which is this. That once you find out who you want to become, then you have to invest in activities that will help you to become the person that you want to become. You've got to put an investment into some activities of who you want to become. Now, to do that, you're going to have to put some of these things on your weekly schedule. If you want to meet some new friends and you want to develop some relationships, then what I would encourage you to do is to get involved in a small group. We have a group that meets every single day of the week. We have women's groups just for women. We have couples groups. We have student groups. We have a men's group that meets on Wednesday. And most of our groups, folks, they only meet twice a month, just two times. That's it. Not even a weekly kind of thing. 
I remember one time I tried to make an appointment with somebody on a Wednesday because they had told me that Wednesdays usually were pretty good a long time ago. And uh, I called them. I said, yeah, I knew you said Wednesdays were good. They're like, it's not good for me anymore. I'm like, well, why isn't it good? I thought, you know, they were trying to get out of this, you know, gathering that they were going to have with me. And they said, because Wednesday night is our small group night and we don't miss our small group. We want to become friends to our friends. We're trying to be friends to our friends. And I really respected that because they didn't have their small group in pencil. They had it in ink. Some of you this year, you want to know the Bible more. You look at this book and it seems intimidating, but you know the only way you're going to get better at it is if you read it. That you want to become biblically literate this year. And I'll tell you, the best thing that I think you could do is you would just take a couple of uh, words and put right on your calendar, 15 minutes. You just put down 15 minutes to be with God. You find a chair, you find a place, wherever it's at, but you take 15 minutes and you say, this is what I'm committing to. I know people... In our church who have done this, they put it on their calendar. They have an appointment with God. It might be in the morning. It might be in the afternoon. It might be at lunch. It might be at dinner. But they put 15 minutes down and they tell me that this has changed their life more than anything else. And I think, man, I put a lot of work on Sunday morning. What do you mean it changed your life more than anything else? No, 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 no. More than Sunday morning even. This 15 minutes consistent with God changes their life. Maybe you need to invest in your marriage. My wife Jennifer and I this week, we were really convicted that we had not had a consistent date night since Shiloh was born. You know how old Shiloh is right now? Six. Now, we've had date nights in six years, but we'll have a date night and then we might go eight months and then not have a date night. We both felt really convicted about this. And so we decided that for 2016, we're going to have a date night once a month. You can come up and hold me accountable to it. Well, this Friday, and I know when the next one is, February 12th at 6 o'clock, my wife and I don't call me. If you have an emergency, call somebody else, okay? Because we are going on a date night. Don't send me an email. I'm just joking with that, all right? But seriously, call somebody else. Um, Just joking, just joking. But we're having a date night, okay? So I know that. So our first date night was this last Friday. And we were looking at the movies, and I decided to take her to a very romantic movie. Thirteen Days, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. Love is in the air, you know. Well, I don't know, I don't know how great that was, but she gets freaked out by those anyway, so she kept kind of like cuddling up against me. I'm like, hey, it's all right. We'll do this again, you know. And... Um, But afterwards, we had pizza together, and we connected. No kids around, nobody around, no cell phones. It was just awesome. But I'm telling you, folks, that would have never, ever happened had we not put it in our schedule. For many of you, God has stopped whispering. He's absolutely stopped whispering when it comes to how you deal with your money. He's shouting at you about how you're dealing with your money. 
He's yelling at you and saying, 2016, you've got to stop the insanity on how you manage your money. You thought in 2014 that it was going to stop. The insanity, the getting in debt, more credit cards. Are we going to make it this week? You thought it was going to stop, but then it bled over into 2015. And then November and December came, and you made some purchases, and you got the bill this January, and some of you were about ready to just throw up. I mean, vomit. Because you're like, this is insane. What am I thinking? Now, I'm not trying to be heavy-hearted today. This is all I'm saying, folks. That if you don't put something on your schedule in 2016 to do your money better, it's not going to get any better. We've had 60 people over the last three years who have been a part of something that has changed their life when it comes to their money. They write down just one thing, FPU, Financial Peace University. It's going to be next month in February on Mondays. This is to help you. And people have written that down. And there are folks who've taken this class. They're different people. And they look at their money differently because of what they've done. And they put it in ink. For others of you, maybe it's health and fitness. You're like, man, I want to get better. I want to get healthier. And you got to put something down, folks. You might have to put gym down. I know you don't like that word, but you might have to put it down. You got to put down the word gym. Because you will be at the exact same health you are today, if not worse, if you don't put something down. Now, there are some of you here. That if you were honest, you would say, I need recovery in 2016. I have a hurt. I have a habit. I have a hang-up. I have an addiction in my life. It might be a food addiction. It might be an anger addiction. It might be that depression is consuming you. Some of you have an alcohol or a drug addiction right now, and you might be able to hide it from a lot of people. But God knows. And it's destroying your life. It's destroying the relationships around you. Folks, if you, if addictions were easy to overcome, if you could just be like, ah, oh, I'm going to take care of this, you would have already done that. You would have done it in 2015 or 2014 or 2013. But you're sitting here today, and it's been in pencil. You've just been like, I'm going to write it in pencil. And then each year you just kind of erase it off. And I want to tell you, if you want to change your life, you put it in ink on Thursday night. C-R, celebrate recovery. I'm going to get better this year. You'll go into a large exercise room where there'll be people there that will love to meet you. They'll sing some songs just like we do on Sunday morning. Someone will give a teaching or a testimony. And then after that, They'll break up into groups so that you can work on things. If you want to say something, you can. If not, it's all done anonymously. All these people that will greet you, they'll greet you because they know what you're going through because they've been there themselves. And they don't take it lightly. 
And they'll lock arms with you and they'll say, with God's help, we can do this. We can do this together, whatever your hurt, habit, or hang-up is. But you've got to put it on your calendar and you've got to put it in ink. One last thing before we're done for today. And if you would, I'd like you to pull out a little card that's in your program. It looks like this. We talked about it briefly just last week. It's a circle of three. And one of the things that we didn't do last week was we didn't give you a way for you to actually respond. And so some people did. They sent me an email. But that's the way we want to encourage you to respond. Now, some of you might be here for the first time or you weren't here last week. You're like, what's Circle of Three about? Circle of Three about is thinking of three people who are disconnected from Christ or the church and that you invest in their life. People matter to God. People, more than anything else, matter to God. And if they matter to God, then they should matter to us as well. And so when we first started the church, I invested in three people. Kenny, Greg, and Rachel. And Kenny and I played basketball. And I fouled a guy really hard, and we kind of got in a pushing, shoving match with this other guy. It wasn't Kenny. And Kenny was very far from God, and he found out I was a pastor. He's like, dude, if I ever go to church, I want to go somewhere where somebody doesn't take any crap, you know? <laughs> Little did he know that I was pretty scared to even push the guy, okay? But um, anyways, that's what he and I did. We started connecting that way. We went to Southside games. A lot of F-bombs raised during that time. Just kind of let that go during those games. And I prayed for him daily for one minute each day at 1 o'clock. Now, there were some years that I was ready to give up on him because he just, he was tough. But 10 years were walking down a driveway. And his mom, we had just prayed for her. And she has cancer. And she has weeks to live. She died in a couple weeks. And he and I prayed together. And he accepted Christ. Greg. Greg and I, we connected through my wife. And uh, she was his boss, and we connected. And as he and I started building a relationship together, we learned we had a lot of stuff that we liked to do. We liked to eat breakfast, so we went to breakfast uh, regularly together. And uh, we played softball together on a softball team. And I bought him his very first Bible. And I wrote in it, and he and I actually started reading the Bible together one-on-one. And over time, because of this connection, that's what we want you to do. We want you to connect with the person. Over time, he bent the knee. He was, I, I was able to baptize he and his wife, and their whole family's life was changed just by connecting weekly. Now, folks, this doesn't mean you have to take them out to Texas Roadhouse. This just means you've got to invest in them. You wave at them. You say hi. You reach out to them in some way. Finally was Rachel. Rachel... Uh, I met because our church in the early days, we went and we knocked on doors at a a particular apartment complex. We didn't do a big rough Jesus thing. All we did was we had little bags of candy and we said, hey, we're a new church. We want to know if you'd like some candy. And she said, yes. We said, we're inviting you to come to a carnival that we're doing at a park. And she came to that park and she and her husband were both addicted to drugs and the family was all messed up. But they came to that park. And because they came to that park, they eventually came to the church. And then eventually her life 
was totally changed. And she still tells me this often. She goes, I don't know where I would have been if you wouldn't have knocked on my door and invited me to that carnival. And folks, you have people in your life right now, friends, family, co-workers, who are longing and waiting for someone to see that they're not invisible and to reach out to them. And you can put those names down. And so don't pick Aunt Clara, you know, that's in South Dakota, who's far from God. Let somebody in South Dakota do that. But for you as an individual, who could you help to fill a seat and to encourage and to bless and to pray and to connect and to invite regularly? You might invite them to the Pacers game. The women are having a painting party coming up. I don't know what that's about, but there's paint, you know, come and have fun. And uh, you could invite them to certain things, and God could move in their life. And there's nothing better, folks. I'm telling you, there's nothing better in this world than when a coworker or a friend or a family member comes to Christ, and you see their life transformed, and it was all because you chose to invest in them. So what I'd like you to do is to think right now of a couple of people. Maybe you only think of one. But you write them down. And if you need some time this week to pray about a little bit more, you can. If you're like, I can only think of one person, that's fine. But to write them down and to start praying and connecting and inviting them. So we're going to turn down the light so that you have a moment to kind of have your own time. And... uh, to think of who those folks are and then email them to me chris at the jar.org just email that to me so let me give you a moment right now and i'll just pray god i pray right now that these names that we write down are important because they're your creations and you desire for them to be your children so god i pray right now through your holy spirit That if there are names of folks that you want to give to people who are here today to pray, to connect, to invite, that you would do that so that your name would be made great. So take just just a minute and ask God, is there a name? Is there a name, God, that you would want me to invest in? I'd encourage you if you if you didn't get all three names pray about it this week but then email it to me 
And then what I'll do is I'll actually have our entire staff pray for those names monthly. That's our commitment to you this this year, that we will pray for them as a staff monthly. And when I get them from you, I'll pray right in that moment. I did it this week, and I would love to do it again. If you would, let's stand for closing prayer. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come up, and if you'd like prayer for anything, uh, they would love to pray with you. So if you have anything that uh, you have prayer needs for, come on up. Now, folks, God probably has talked to you in some way about something that you need to put on your schedule. And let me just ask you again. Do we put those things in pencil or ink? Ink. What is it? Ink. That's right. Ink. And uh, next week, I'm going to talk about money, which I know you're all excited about. But I'm not worried about having a huge crowd because we're going to have a huge crowd because I know you all put it in what? Ink. So you've got to be here, right? So you'll be here, invite someone, and we'll see what God does with that. Let's pray. Well, God, we marvel at what you did here today. And we marvel at the power of a calendar when we put things in ink. God, help us to become the person that you want us to become in 2016. To find some activities that will help us to become that person. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you would do right now what I cannot do. And that is to take the message today and cause people to really look at their schedule this week and craft it in such a way that it would become a God-first, a God-guided schedule. And then give every person in this place the power to live it out. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, have a great week. Know that you're loved in this place. If you like prayer for anything, come on up.